Welcome to Shatterproof. I am your host, Todd Callahan. We are in the midst of some of the most incredible moments in history. Um, I think each and every one of us could look back on the past 24 months and have um, probably quite similar thoughts and precepts on everything that we've lived through. Um, as a pastor, one of the things that I have, have noticed is the silence of many other pastors and preachers around the nation. And here's one thing that I've learned over the last uh, almost two years now. Preachers that are silent on politics will be silenced by politics. We have got to get over the fact that we see Jesus and the scripture as a religion. Jesus was not a religious figure. Jesus was a political figure. He came to bring his kingdom, and we are now to establish his kingdom on the earth. A kingdom is political in context. Therefore, anything that stands against the kingdom of God must come down. Far too long we've been in retreat. We have got to start living out what it says in Proverbs 28, verse 1. The Bible says, The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. It's time that the church found its voice in a wayward society. It's time we rise up and take a stand like never before. It's time that we position a generation, a company of people just like you and me to get into a place of intention where every step you take and every decision you make impacts the existence of this generation and future generations to come. Last night before uh, the, our evening ended, my wife found out from her company that she has got to be vaccinated by the end of November or lose her job. And um, we are in the process of submitting our uh, exemption um, since we, we feel that the, uh, the mandatory vaccine is violating our freedom of conscience, which is protected in the U.S. Constitution. Uh, in church world, we will call that religious exemption. Um, and we submitted that. But we were told yesterday that if the exemption is granted, it's temporary. So folks, we are in a fight for our values. We're in a fight for our freedom. And it's very easy for those who don't have that within their soul. They don't have that tenacity to make sure they're standing up for their values, that they're standing for their faith, that they are, they're, they're establishing themselves firmly rooted upon the principles that govern their life and the conviction of the Holy Spirit within them. They don't understand what's happening right now with those of us that are. So you understand the only thing the enemy can do is make you timid and make you passive and apprehensive so that you don't make full use out of what God has put in you, so that you don't make full use of the gifts that are laying dormant inside of you. This is why God said to Joshua, be strong. He didn't tell him to feel strong. Sometimes you've got to uh, be strong until you feel strong. You've got to be strong until your feelings can catch up because we do not walk by feelings. We walk by faith. We walk by faith and command our feelings to catch up. I will not follow feelings. My feelings will follow me. Come on. And the God that I serve said to be strong, and I'm, t I'm telling my feelings, you've got to catch up. Listen, those Jericho walls fell because he had courage. The Jordan River parted because he had courage. The, David was not the most skilled warrior. He was not the most efficiently equipped one. He only had a slingshot and five stones, but he did with a rock what people who were trained in military warfare could not do with weapons because one thing he had that they didn't have was courage. 
And while they were running from Goliath, David was running to Goliath. And there's a whole lot of Christians in this culture right now that are running away from battles God's put them in front of. We need some Davids in this culture, in this generation that can run towards Goliath because courage will make you run towards something with a rock that other people will run from. And I don't know if there's anybody listening uh, today who trusts that God and the rock will defeat Goliath in your life, but I believe it's going to take courage to get there. It's going to take courage and faith. And listen, the greatest expression of courage was seen on Calvary. The cross was the ultimate expression of courage. It took courage to go to the cross. It took courage to stay on the cross because he could have gotten down. It took courage to trust God enough to say, if you let me die, I know you will raise me back up again. So courage is the ultimate expression of faith, and faith is the womb from which courage is birthed. Courage is the fruit of faith. Where there is no courage, there is no faith, because the fight of faith always shows up wearing the clothes of courage. It was not just Jesus's love for us that kept him on the cross. It was Jesus's faith in the Father that kept him on the cross. He predicted not only his own death, but his own resurrection because he was fully convinced and persuaded that God would be faithful to his word and do exactly what he said and resurrect him. So here it is. When we talk about courage, we aren't talking about faith in Jesus. We're talking about the faith of Jesus. And I wonder if there's anybody listening today who has the faith of Jesus to be able to stand up against the wind and the waves that are blowing in this culture right now, because it's one thing to have faith in Jesus, but it's another thing to have the faith of Jesus. Faith in Jesus is saving faith. The faith of Jesus is miracle-working faith, and we need a miracle in this nation. We need a miracle in Washington, D.C. We need a miracle with our governors. We need a miracle in, in, in all elements across the globe. We need a miracle in, in, in seeing healings and signs and wonders and manifestations of, the, of, of heaven to be released upon the earth. Faith is speaking to dead things. It, it, it's, it's healing blind eyes kind of faith. It's shattering limitations faith. That's the kind of faith we need to have. Judges 3 verse 1 says, These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. So this is not the generation that had experienced the exodus out of Egypt, okay? This is not the generation that knew what it was like to have to depend on manna to fall from heaven and for water to come out of a rock. And I know that sounds far-fetched, but there's some people that have just recently lost their jobs because they're unwilling to cave to the, uh, to the society pressure and the pressure from these Fortune 500 companies and the pressure from the President of the United States to cave on their values and to cave on their convictions. So you know what? There's a new, brand new generation in 2021 who are going to be uh, depending on manna to show up from heaven miraculously while they look for new places of employment. And they're going to have to trust God and trust that God will honor the conviction that they have in their spirit. This is not a generation that we're, we're talking about here that had to depend on God to part the Red Sea. This is the generation that was born in Canaan, okay? They were born in blessing. They were a generation that was born experiencing fruit. They didn't have to labor for. They didn't know struggle. They didn't know lack, um, to put it in, in modern day 
uh, uh, verbiage. They only knew PlayStation 5s, Xbox Switches, Jordans. They knew their own rooms. They had their own TVs. They had their own remote controls. They didn't know what it was like to be your own remote control. Come on, y'all, if you grew up in the 70s and 80s, you know what I'm talking about. You had to get up and actually change the channel, and you had just a few to pick from. So this generation doesn't even know what that's like. That's the example I'm setting here. So for young people, you know, what I mean is, is you'd be sitting on the sofa with your family watching TV, right? Your mom and dad would tell you to get up and go change the channel. And you'd stand there turning the knob until they found what they wanted to watch. And sometimes you actually had to be the antenna as well and move that antenna in a certain direction and kind of hold on to the antenna until the signal was in the right place. So I'm talking about a generation that grew up in Canaan. And the Bible says that God left some nations around to teach them skills to fight that they didn't have because they didn't have to fight to get it. But God knows whatever is possessed must be protected. I'm going to say it one more time. Whatever is possessed must be protected. Whatever is gained must be maintained. This is why he says we are called to occupy until he comes. This is why we have to take the territory that God has given us to take. So even if you didn't fight to get it, you're going to have to fight to keep it because whatever you have, the devil's coming after. If you have peace today, the devil's coming after it. If you have joy, the devil's coming after it. Because I think many of us know what it's like to have joy and lose it. I know what it's like to have peace and lose it. I know what it's like to have focus and lose it because whatever you have, the enemy's coming after it. And if I don't know how to fight to protect it, I will not be able to maintain what I've gained. And Jesus does not just want us to have fruitful lives. He wants our fruit to remain. It's one thing to have it, but it's another thing to keep it. It's one thing to say you're standing for truth and righteousness, but can you maintain what you just said? You put it in, in a political content. It's one thing to say we believe in our constitution, we believe in our rights, we believe in our freedom, but can you stand for that? Can you deal with the persecution that's coming around this nation today? and still uphold your values. Some people just don't want to fight for it. They don't, they don't have the energy. They don't have the tenacity or the passion. So they say they believe it, but they capitulate and give in as soon as times get tough. That, that's a very difficult group of people to work with, to run with, because they will, they will move as soon as the wind blows a different direction. That's the direction they'll go. And God says in his word that he's leaving these trials around so that these people could be trained in the skills they need so they can fight to keep what they possess. Because nothing trains you like a trial. There are a lot of people around this nation and throughout the world that are being trained right now. The culture doesn't see it. The government doesn't see it. But God is training a remnant of people right now in 2021. Listen, you don't learn in prayer uh, let me rephrase this. You don't learn prayer in a sermon. You learn prayer when you're under pressure. You learn the principles of prayer through a sermon, but you learn the practices of prayer when you are under pressure and your back's against the wall. And you cannot win within your own ingenuity, right? You, 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 can't, you, you can't get through this with your own ingenuity and figure out how you're going to make this work. So you have, to, you, you have to place yourself at the mercy of a deity who is able to intervene into the affairs of your existence and orchestrate all things according to the counsel of his own will, right? So you learn how to pray, most of us do, when we're in trouble. You learn how to pray late at night. You learn how to pray when you don't know what else to say because absolutely nothing trains you like a trial. So we have to learn the difference between knowledge and training because you can have knowledge but never be trained because nothing trains you like a trial will.
So the Bible says that God left specific nations in orchestrated proximities because he wants that generation to be trained. So they had not experienced this before and they were all undone and nervous and messed up. And God, metaphorically speaking, is sitting in heaven, laughing, sitting back, just saying, it's just a training. You're freaking out over this and it's just a training. I told our church on Sunday, most of what we experience in life is inside the ring. In other words, it's just around. We hear the bell and we think that the fight's over, but it was just around. And we get so taken aback by what God's doing inside the ring because we think when the bell rings, the fight's over, when really it's just another round. So what did you learn about the one you're fighting? What did you learn about your opponent? What did you learn about the adversary? What did you learn about Satan? What did you learn about the enemy in the previous round? Because if you didn't learn anything in the, in, in the previous round, the next round you're going to fail in the same places. So, so many people think that their lives are taking a downward spiral and it's never going to recover. But God is like, this is just training. You're just in class. This is just a pretest. So God picked these specific nations and used them to engage Israel in some bear battles. And what do I mean? David, before he could engage in a battle with Goliath. He was having a conversation with the king who gave him permission to fight Goliath. And the king was asking him what qualified him to fight this giant who had been trained in military warfare, uh, most, if not all of his life. And David essentially said, well, well, while I was tending to my father's sheep, there was a lion and a bear that came trying to take some of the sheep. And I protected my father's sheep from the lion and the bear. And the same God that delivered me out of the hand of the lion and the bear is the same God that will deliver this Philistine into my hands. Some battles are just bear battles. They aren't battles that are intended to take you out. They are battles that are intended to cultivate in you the confidence you need to face a Goliath when you face him. See, the only reason David even had confidence to fight Goliath was because that confidence was cultivated in what he saw God do with a bear, what he saw God do in the previous round, what he saw God do before the bell rung. And he said, if God can do this with the bear, the same God can do it with the giant. I'm telling some of you right now, God has got a lot of us in some bear battles right now, but he is just training us and equipping us, molding us, shaping us, and helping our endurance of our, the endurance of our faith get to a brand new level because when we come out of this round, when we come out of this fight, God is going to have positioned us and strengthened the body of Christ for the greatest move of God. We are on the brink of the greatest move of God this nation and this globe has ever seen. And I believe that all of the things that we're facing right now in corporate America, uh, you know, uh, I can speak to this personally with everything my wife's battling right now. We're battling together and we're standing strong. We are firmly rooted upon our convictions and we are not going to be persuaded by the arrogance, the arrogance of, of feeling as though we are trying to circumvent a system that has been put in place and how dare we circumvent that system. So we're at a place right now where our rights, our convictions, our morality, our values are trying to be dictated to us by government. And this is trickle down what we're experiencing right now. That's why it's happening in your businesses. That's why it's happening in your workplaces. That's why it's happening with your friends and your family. This is trickling down from government. So if you essentially look back at what's happening, we're now serving government. We're not allowing our, the Holy Spirit within us. We're not allowing our spirit man to dictate and to illuminate the steps that God's ordered for us, we are bowing at the altar of acceptance. We are bowing at the altar of, what, of government. But I can guarantee if there's anybody that can look back over your life, you see some bear battles, things that agitated you, but they educated you at the same time. So what are we learning right now as a culture? 
as the people of God. You know, and I get it. It's agitating. It's irritating. But once we get out of them, you look back and you see God was giving you some education. So we have got to be paying attention, church. We've got to be seeing what God is doing right now in this generation and in this time, because in Judges 3, 4, the Bible says they were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands, uh, the Lord's commands, which he had given their ancestors through Moses. So he leaves the enemies there, okay? One, to teach them war, but also to see if they would obey the commandments. So now why do they need enemies to obey? Could it be because God realizes that real commitment is only revealed during times of inconvenience? And that, that's, that it's easy to say you're with me when it costs you nothing to be with me, but real commitment is revealed and embodied and expressed in a God who needs nothing. He wrapped himself up in flesh, came down to earth. He walked on this earth for 33 years, going to cross, being wrongfully convicted, going to a grave and, 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 and staying there for three days and getting up, real commitment reveals itself during inconvenience. And I believe God's looking at the people of God right now. He's looking at his church and is saying, are you able to remain committed in seasons of inconvenience? And could it be that God was using inconvenience and battles not to show him something that he already knows, but to show them something? Could it be that trouble really shows you something? Could it be that trouble really shows you stuff that is buried deep that's not visible on the surface? But just because it's deep doesn't mean it's not dangerous. Because there is nothing that shows you what's in you like pain. There's a lot of people right now that have capitulated and given in to everything that the government is saying to do. And don't, don't email me and inbox me and send me notes and say, Pastor, you need to be uh, reading Romans 13. Uh, you know, I, I've gone over that in a previous podcast. You can go back and listen to that. Don't throw Romans 13 at me because you're reading, you're taking it out of context. There is no thing that God is going to allow government to speak into our lives that violates what Jesus has told us that violates the conviction of the Holy Spirit that he's going to expect us to bow, bow to. We don't just blindly obey the government. Ask Paul, Silas, Esther. Ask all of those who paid a price. Jesus himself, who were in opposition with what the government was saying. I'm, I know I'm being too real now, but let me, let me tell you this. Pain will show you things that are present that you didn't know. And whenever God shows us something like this, he's not showing us this just to critique or judge us. He's showing us this because he knows this needs to be exposed before we move into another season operating under some illusion that we are in a place that we actually are not. So if there's a place in my life that's weak, he's not showing it to me to judge me and point the finger and say, you're a weak person. He's showing it to me because there's something in my future that requires that I am strong in the place that I'm weak. He says, let me show you this thing now so you don't run up on a Goliath thinking you are better with your rock than you really are. So I'm going to let you miss in this season. And if you can get over your ego, if you can get over the embarrassment, if you can get over all of this stuff, I will realign you. And if you will learn the lesson, when you get to the next season, you will have fixed the area that would have made you vulnerable. Now, if I'm in a boxing match and in round one, I'm getting uh, you know, all kinds of jabs and, and body shots and head shots, I'm going to learn in round two how this fighter already Already operates within just a few minutes of round one, and I'm going to begin to block certain punches that come my way. Come on. You've got to get past the stuff 
that has made you vulnerable and learn from it in the previous season. Listen, I want God to show me. I'm so, we've got to get so past our ego and what people think about us, um, you know, and, and what I thought I knew about myself and just say, God, show me the blind areas. Show me the places where I'm not committed to be consistent in my journey with you. Don't let me walk blindly into something that I'm not ready for. Show me. Don't let me think I'm stronger than I am. And I take on more than I can bear and it crushes me. Show me. Don't make me think people around me are solid when they're shifting sand. Come on, that's for somebody. You got to make sure your circle, the people who are supposed to be in the corner of your ring to support you, encourage you, strengthen you, that you got to have the right people in your, in, your, in, your, in your corner who can throw in the towel when it's time to throw in the towel, but then who can look you in the eye and say, don't you dare give up on this battle. Don't you dare give up on this fight. You know, and we've got to get to the place to where we say, God, it may hurt my feelings, but show me. It may hurt my ego. I might be surprised, but God, I'd rather you show me now than me find out the hard way later. Show me. So guess what God's doing right now? He is revealing to the church where they truly are in their faith journey with him. For the last 20 years, we've had seeker-friendly messages from our pulpits. We've had sugar-coated scripture read. We've had um, all kinds of things to water down the power of the word of God. And this culture right now is living inside. We are, we are eating the fruit of what those past two decades have created. And that's why here at our church, we're seeing, we're seeing the, 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 the seats filled to the place to where we're going to have to build because we have not watered down the scripture. And if there's ever a time where people need the truth, It's right now in this generation, in 2021. See, your trials are training. We're being trained right now. And if you don't see the trial as a training, you've got to leave that season with something. I mean, I need some wisdom, some strength, a lesson, something. You're not a baby. You don't just cry to cry anymore. If I'm crying, I need to get something out of the tears. The Bible says, if I sow in tears, I'll reap in joy. I need something from this moment, from this season. If I'm coming out of Egypt, I'm not coming out empty-handed. So we have to see the trial as a training. We also have to see this. Don't miss the snake when you're looking for the lion. We'll say it again. Don't miss the snake when you're looking for the lion. Because the Bible uses uh, animal metaphors to describe the enemy. In the New Testament, Peter uses the example of a lion. And he says the enemy is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But also in the Old Testament, the enemy shows up in the garden as a snake. So you have a lion and you have a snake. You can't miss a lion, but you sure can miss a snake. Both of them can kill you. And so sometimes we're getting killed because you're missing the little thing because you only think danger shows up in the form of big big things. Let me tell you something. Back in Florida, I lived in Florida for for just uh, right around 20 years, just over 20 years. And um, I was out there edging by the sidewalk and the end of our driveway one day in Orlando. And I went to lift up the one of the hanging palms of one of our Sago palms that were down by the, by the sidewalk in the corner of our driveway. And I put my foot underneath the Sago palm branch to lift it up so I could get under there and weed whack and edge around it and things like that. And as soon as I put my foot underneath there, an Eastern diamondback rattlesnake flew out from underneath that Sago palm. I mean, he took off like a jet and about freaked me out. I didn't know what it was at first. I just thought it was a, you know, a typical garter snake, a black snake. Uh, of course, you got water moccasins you got to be careful of down south as well. 
but it, 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 it scared me so much. I dropped my weed whacker and jumped back. And then when I was able to look down at the snake, I realized it was an Eastern Diamondback rattlesnake. Now, I'm looking at this thing and it's looking at me. And, and, and you know, I'm slowly backing up and it's down at the end of the driveway now uh, because of how fast it shot out from underneath the Sago. So I ran. I wasn't going anywhere near it. Come on, I mean, I'm not crazy. I ran and grabbed my, uh, my hose and pulled that out to the, the uh, end of the driveway and started... Um, put the water on the jet, uh, the, the jet mode and push, started pushing that thing out into the street. And lo and behold, it kept coming back at me. It would not go any different direction. It kept coming at me. So my wife and her mom happened to be out um, uh, shopping or doing whatever they were doing. So they pull into the neighborhood, they come into the cul-de-sac and they see me with a hose trying to blow back this, this rattlesnake. And so I make the sign to them, you know, go around the snake and, and, and run it over. Cause I mean, I'm not going to stop spraying the thing. Every time I stop, it tries to come right back at me. So they go around it and they're finally able to run the thing over. And so I, I called the, uh, the wildlife people that were there in Orlando. And, um, I said, you know, would you guys come out and take a look? So they came out and took a look. We had conservation area behind us in our property. They found nests of rattlesnakes. I said, well, what, do you, what, what can we do to get rid of them? They said, absolutely nothing until it bites somebody. Let me tell you, we moved within 12 months. <laughs> we, had, we had young kids back then. I was not going to risk any of the kids or anybody in our family getting bit by those rattlesnakes. So we sold that property and moved on. But here's the thing. They wouldn't touch them until they bit somebody. Now, how many times do we taunt the enemy? How many times do we think we're doing right and we say, well, we'll just see how far we can get until I get bit. How much more training, how much more equipping does God have to do with his church until we understand that we're in a fight right now, we're in a battle. The word of, the word of God says he's training our hands for battle. It's very easy to sit back on our spiritual lazy boys and think that we're protected and we're safe and we're doing good. As long as I do good to people, I'm, I, I'm in the will of God. As long as I'm doing good, I'm, 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 I'm doing everything God's called me to do. Listen, a lion roars, a snake hisses. You won't miss a roar, but you will miss a hiss. And you can end up getting bit because you missed a hiss. But after you get bit, some people can look back over their life. When you've been bit by a snake and say, you know what I heard? I heard the hiss. I just didn't pay attention to it. I'm telling you right now, our culture is hissing. I saw some signs, stuff I overlooked, and I didn't pay attention to it because I didn't really think it was a big deal. Then I realized I heard the hiss, but I missed it. The Israelites in Judges 3, verse 5, the Israelites lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perzites, the, 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 the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the ites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. So it just seems so innocent. And normal because they're just like everybody is happy. People are getting married, but not realizing there's some hissing going on. Not realizing God is like, no, you are letting your boundaries down. You're adopting the value system of the people you are in relationship with. They are influencing you when you should be influencing them, but they are influencing you. So now you have violated your value system and are adopting their values and the values you should be living by are fences that I've given you to protect you. Church, do not let your boundaries down. Do not allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which God has given you for your personal boundaries, your personal convictions, to be a personal fence around you, to illuminate your pathway. Do not allow the government of the United States to dictate your values 
to dictate your morality and tell you what you can and can't believe in. So when you violate those values, you make yourself vulnerable to stuff that you wouldn't be vulnerable to if you didn't violate those values. So watch this. So they're now serving their gods and didn't even know what happened, right? Because they missed the snake looking for the lion. Catch now the little foxes that will destroy the vine. Because it's not always the big things that get you. Sometimes it's the little things. Remember the 15 days to slow the spread? Yeah, there were a majority of us that said that'll never stop. And here we are almost two years later. And now we're fighting vaccine mandates. Now we're fighting um, um, uh, big pharmacy. Now we're fighting um, Fortune 500 companies that are forcing their employees. Now we're, we're fighting public school systems. Some people are. We took our kids out because we're not going to allow them to be indoctrinated by all of the garbage that the public school system is trying to pump into our young people. And we've got to be careful when somebody you have in your space is always bringing you information and access they got from somebody else's space. Come on, somebody. That's hissing going on. Because if they will talk to you about everybody else, they're going to talk about you to everybody else. And we'll say it again. If they'll talk to you about everybody else, they will talk about you to everybody else. That's hissing. There's a lot of hissing going on. Just go on Facebook, go on Instagram, go on Twitter. So you must also fight to resist, but only engage when authorized. This is important because Israel violates their values in in verse 7. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Ashraths. You can read verses 8 through 11 on your own. So, So they violate their values and end up in idolatry, which is ultimately you are vowing allegiance to a value system that is different and distinct from the value system God has laid out for you. So this is what happens. They end up captured for eight years. God raises up a judge who is willing to engage the enemies that are holding them hostage. And in verse 11, it says they had rest and peace for 40 years. They were held captive for eight years. He was willing to fight for a number of days and he got to rest for a number of years because there are some things that are in the way of our advancement that you can't ignore. Some stuff you can't pray away. You've got to deal with it. Church, you can't just sit in your spiritual lazy boy and just pray what's happening in our culture in 2021 away. You've got to deal with it. You've got to face it head on. Sometimes prolonging the conversation is just prolonging the problem because you won't be able to rest until you fight. And I know that's tough because many people don't like conflict and do everything that they can do to avoid it. But guess what? It's come knocking at your door. You can no longer live life passively, aggressively. And we don't want to deal with what needs to be dealt with. But if you don't deal with that, with what needs to be dealt with, then it's going to eventually deal with you. Sometimes you've got to fight to rest because the thing that's winning the fight against you is keeping you from experiencing the rest that you want to experience. Sometimes you've got to war against procrastination if you're a procrastinator because it's only when you fight against it and win that you'll be able to rest because procrastination is robbing you of the ability to rest. That's a word for somebody right there. I was free. You didn't have to pay for that. <laughs> because you, gotta, you, you keep putting off what needs to be done and because you keep putting it off, it's always on your mind. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And so until you fight against that and win the battle, you won't be able to rest. So putting off the conversation doesn't give you rest because you know you've got to have the conversation and that conversation is always on your mind. And sometimes in order to rest, you've got to fight. And I know we're in a culture and a generation where people are like, I don't have the energy to fight. Why do you think this whole pandemic thing has gone on for two years? They're trying to wear you and I out. 
And the more we're worn out, the more susceptible and vulnerable we are. You can't have anything healthy unless you're willing to fight against the things that are getting in the way of its health. You can't have health and be afraid of bloodshed. But watch this. I need discernment, so I'm not spending my life trying to fight every battle. So I need to only engage when authorized and do what David did in 1 Samuel 23. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against uh, Kilah and are looting and threat, uh, looting the threshing floors. He inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, go, attack the Philistines and save Kilah. So he inquired of God and asked this, which is, is this something that I should engage in? And the Lord gave him the go ahead. So he went in because God only backs battles he sends you into. I'm going to say that again right now. I just I feel it in this studio right now. God is only going to back battles that he sends you into. If you go in on your own, baby, you're on your own. Only engage when authorized. Other examples we see are in Leviticus. It's uh, Leviticus chapter 10. Aaron's sons took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. They saw their daddy do it. They saw others do it, and they were like, we can do it too, not realizing that the effectiveness wasn't in the activity. The effectiveness was in the fact that Aaron was authorized. And you can emulate things that you're not authorized to do. And to the Lord, it smells like strange fire. Understand, church, it's dangerous to follow words that God did not give you. That's what Pharaoh tried to do when he drowned. He saw Moses and Israel walk through on dry ground, and he was like, they did it on bare feet. I got chariots and horses. So if they can do it, so can I. Because I've got more than they have. But see, he didn't realize he didn't have their word. So God may tell somebody to have a career change and to walk away from steady employment and walk out on faith. And I know some of you are experiencing that right now. You're at the place where you're either going to lose your job or you're going to take the jab. And I'm asking you and begging you to get a hold of a word from God. Allow the Holy Spirit to dictate and illuminate the direction that you need to go. And see, somebody else can see that and say, well, I've got the chariots and I got the education, I got the contacts and I'm smarter than them and you jump out there and it doesn't turn out the same way. That's why you've got to have a word on what you do. They will walk on top and you drown. Why? Because they had a word. They were authorized. So let me give you a word from God that he dropped in Joshua to speak over Israel. In Joshua 18 verse 3, he says, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? You're listening to this podcast right now. I'm asking you, how long? I'm reading Joshua 18, verse 3 to you. How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? He asks a people, now how long are you going to wait before you fight and take possession for what the God of your ancestors has already given you? I'm telling you, church, the fight is fixed. The fight is not over. And what's promised belongs to you. It belongs to me. But how long will you wait to believe God enough? The encounter is now. To encounter the opposition and start occupying what you know belongs to you. This is our time to rise. Allow your voice to be heard. Allow the roar from the lion that is deep within your soul 
to come out and make a sound that this nation has ever heard. We will stand firm. Together, we will decree and declare the blessings of God over this nation, and we will see the hand of God move upon this nation in a mighty way. It's time to, to get out of that spiritual lazy boy. It's time to stand. It's time to, to allow our hands to be prepared for battle, and it's time for you and I to get in the ring and to begin to pull down these principalities and strongholds and these rulers of wickedness in heavenly places so that we can see the kingdom of God come to the earth. I'm with you. I stand with you. I thank you for standing with me. And together, we will be victorious in Jesus' name. I love you. I'll see you on the next podcast. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to ignitechurchvt.com and you can sow through the Shatterproof podcast drop down in the giving section. You can download our app uh, in your app store and your Google Play store. Search Ignite Church VT. And you can connect with us that way as well. You can also connect with us on, on social media through Facebook and Instagram. Just search Ignite Church VT or Ignite Church Vermont. We'll pop right up. I love you. And thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Stay strong. I'm praying for you. We're going to get through this thing together. And God is going to get the glory in the end.